Man, stand your feet with me this morning. Not one moment in my life do I regret since I found you. I wonder if there isn't anybody like me that says I don't regret that decision for a moment. That day when Jesus came and saved my soul and forgave me of my sins and made me new. I want to tell you today I'm 37. I was 18 then. I may have made some mistakes along the way. I have may have been imperfect along the way, but God has always been perfect and God has always been faithful and I am so thankful today for life, new life in Christ Jesus. Can we give God praise this morning? Not one day. I, I, I keep playing that over and over in my heart and my life. We don't have to be ashamed to follow Christ. We don't have to be ashamed of Jesus. We don't have to walk around and say, well, I, I'm just not sure if, if we're waffling in that today. If we're, we're going back and forth, I want to tell you today, He is faithful. You can stand assured that He is the righteous one, the Holy One of Israel. And He has saved our soul. And we're thankful for that today. And we give God praise, give God honor. If you would, go with me this morning, Luke chapter 15. As we get started this morning, what, what an awesome time it is. I want to always give thanks, give honor and appreciation to our, our pastor in every way, shape or form for him to trust me, give me an opportunity to share the precious word of God to such incredible people today. I want to thank him, appreciate him and I know that he is watching and he has been encouraging me this morning and we know he's a man of prayer and we love our pastor. We just Let's clap for him. I know he's watching. Appreciate him. Let's look right there in that screen. No, I'm just kidding. No, they can't. And uh, we, we just appreciate him, and I'm so thankful and honor him in every way. Luke chapter 15. I want to share with you a message this morning I believe God's put on my heart. I've actually tried to preach two other messages, and I came back to this one. So I really believe that it's the Lord that has uh, put this in our hearts. You know, what's important to God should be important to us. Amen. What's important to the Lord, you, you may say, oh, me in a minute, but what's important to the Lord needs to be important to us. What matters to God, what's valuable to God, what's worth, what's worth something to God should be worth to us. It should be valuable to us. I want to tell you this morning, I want to share a, a message called the sheep, the coin, and the sun. The sheep, the coin, and the sun. Read this with me, if you would, Luke chapter 15, verse 1 through 10, verse 24. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners. Anybody thankful that Jesus is the friend of sinners this morning? <laughs> I am. And he eats with them, and then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep. And loses one of them, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? He goes after the lost sheep until he finds it. He doesn't give up. He goes until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons who do not repent. Jesus sharing that to those that were there. The importance 
of those that are lost and the importance of all men everywhere. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost coin. Rejoice with me. She searches until she finds it. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Verse 24, For this son of mine was dead, but he is alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. So they began to celebrate. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this time, this sacred time. God, we've given God to you. And we we don't just want our Sundays to be given. We want our lives to be given. But God, this gathering together, God, this thing that you've called, that you've anointed, God, I pray that you touch us. Speak to us today from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I made the decision I joked in the early service, I made the decision of of having, being married and working and being in ministry and a youth pastor at the time among all the other uh, uh, jobs that we were doing, we made the decision to have a baby or God made a decision for a baby to come into our lives and I'm older and balder and, and, and heavier now because of that decision but I'm also wiser, somebody say man right there and then I had baby number two and I'm even more bald than I was then and uh, I'm even more wise than I was then there's a good place to say amen too I'm getting wise but then in the lack of wisdom I had baby number three and uh, that that baby is sweet as she is she has kept us on our toes and we love her she's uh she's not feeling well this morning but I thought about having three children and and how that has uh the, the life that that is all of our parents can just identify with that my dad is the youngest of 10 children. He had 10 brothers and sisters. He's the youngest. His niece is two weeks younger than him. So it's kind of funny. He's 70 years old. She's 70, and she calls him Uncle James. And so it's just it's funny. So I can imagine what uh, my grandma and grandpa raising 10 kids, what they went through. And I just had this funny story. I saw it said that, that uh, he sat down. I have... Five siblings, three sisters, two brothers. This isn't my dad. This is somebody else. One night I was chatting with my mom about how she had changed as a mother from first child to the last. She told me she had mellowed a lot over the years. When your oldest sister coughed or sneezed, I called the ambulance. Uh, Dr. Small is going to, she's going to say amen to this. I was worried about everything. But when your youngest brother swallowed a dime, I just told him it was coming out of his allowance. Think things, things change. I want to share a message with you, the sheep, the coin, and the sun. You know, we all pursue and chase after what we perceive as valuable. If we don't think it's valuable, then we don't pursue it. Matter of fact, it's a, it's a natural occurrence in our life when we attach value to something to, to pursue it. Some of us, it's money and things and material things. We see that as valuable, and because of that, we live our life to pursue that. Some of us, it's, it's family. We want our family to look a certain way, to be a certain way, and to have this, this picture-perfect uh, portrait of what a family is to look like. And we, we pursue that, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to pursue the, the health of the family. But some, some people, they, they look at that as some sort of affirmation or, or some sort of uh, a pursuit, a valuable thing, and they make that their pursuit. Some of us, it's success in our life. We want to be known. We want to have fame. We want to have notoriety. We want to be successful in what we're doing. And because we view that as valuable, 
We view that as valuable. Hear me today. We see that as value. We attribute that as value in our life. We chase after that. For some people, they chase after the, uh, 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 they may chase after, they, they think that the high is valuable or they think the, the drunkenness or the relationships. It's acceptance for some people. It's affirmation for some. It's, it's comfort for some. I just want to get into a place where I'm finally comfortable in life and I'm not worried about anything going wrong. We, we pursue those things because we view them as valuable. Some it's love. I I just want to be loved. I want to love somebody, and we pursue that. I just, I'm a youth pastor right here, you know, and some, some pursue love, and they chase after, and after a couple of weeks, they're, they're in love. I'm always talking to kids. They're parents. We should listen to our parents and the wisdom that comes before us. We're in love, and we have to pursue after that. Some of us, we, we think that that's valuable so that we naturally begin to pursue it. I just want to, to share something, if, if I can, today. I know that you may recognize already, some of you that have, uh, you may remember that Pastor shared these same set of scriptures last week. And, and you may realize, and I hope you know, that the Lord has prompted him. The Lord has woke him up. The Lord has made his prayer time come alive for this fact, is that there are lost sons and daughters that Jesus cares about, that Jesus wants to find, that Jesus wants to save, that Jesus wants to change, that Jesus wants to transform and give them new life, I should say, in Him. And, and the Lord has arrested our pastor on this particular uh, story or this particular thing. And he has really been talking to us and sharing with the staff. And I tried my best to, to grab two or three other messages. And, and I felt like they were something that could be shared. But today I feel like God wants to get us as a church. And I don't mean a, a church service, but God wants to get us as his people. Amen. He wants to get us as those that belong to him in a place where what's important to him becomes important to us. What's valuable to him becomes valuable to us. So much so that we begin to chase after. We begin to work towards. We begin to pursue like the Lord pursues with his heart and with his life. We serve a God that, that leaves nothing to be wasted. Marty can help me with this. He, he doesn't let anything be lost. He's a God that when he fed the 5,000 with the fish and the loaves, after everybody had, had ate and, and that miracle had taken place, he told his disciples, he said, hey, go grab what's left over. Let nothing be wasted. We want to make sure and grab that. We serve a God that every stroke of the pen of this word will take place according to the scripture. All heaven and, or, or heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. He's a meticulous detailed God. He even says this, that at just the right time when, when we needed him at just the right time, God chose when Jesus would come into the earth and ultimately pay the price for our sins. We serve a, a detailed God. I believe with all of my heart that he uses these three stories in such a, a, an intricate way, in such a valuable way that he wants to bring them alive to us this morning. The sheep, the coin and the son. He shares this story as he's sharing. All of uh, people were drawn to Jesus' teachings. The, the religious and the lost. 
They were drawn to what he was saying. Religious people were accusing him. Oh, Jesus, let people accuse me of this. Let people talk about me. Let people tweet this about me. Let people uh, tell everybody and talk bad about me saying this because if, if they're talking bad about me saying this, I believe I'm doing something right. They were talking bad about Jesus, saying Jesus welcomed sinners. They were gossiping about him. They were trying to tear him down by saying that he welcomes sinners. Don't you want to be known as somebody that welcomes sinners? The lost, the hurting, those that, that maybe they're not like us. I want to be known as that. I don't want to be. I sat in my office as a youth pastor about eight years ago in Oklahoma City, and I looked around the, the white, boring walls of my office, and I said, I don't have a relationship with one person that's not saved right now, a close relationship. And I, I got on my face and I got on my knees and I prayed and I said, Lord, that has to change. I, I've been called to, to show the love of God. I want, like Pastor Brian said, all men everywhere to, to feel and know what I've come to find and know in Jesus Christ. It doesn't make me special. It makes what God has, has given us so special. And I prayed and right there in that place, uh, something just came to mind. I played basketball. That's all I had. That's all I knew. I knew some guys that, that I played basketball with and I just, we decided right there and there we were going to have a, a basketball league and we were going to pursue that and I prayed and I fasted and I'm going to tell you what it came together and it became one of the most incredible uh, um, basketball leagues in the city at that time and it, it was just it was an awesome thing that God did in our life but but I just want to tell you there's no effort too too big there's no money, there's not enough money to spend to represent and to tell the world. There's not too much money that we can spend to tell the world about our Jesus. Somebody say amen. If my hands are bleeding and people are hearing about the love of Jesus, let my hands bleed. If my hands are blistered and people are hearing the love of Jesus, then let my hands be blistered. Let my life belong to him. Let it be a living epistle, a living testimony that Jesus Christ lives and reigns and loves. And he has a purpose and a plan for all people. He welcomed sinners and he ate with them. The ultimate sign of acceptance. He ate with them. He supped with them. He came in with them. So many times we, we relegate ourselves and we isolate ourselves and, and, and we say, well, yes, I, I love sinners and I love this and I'm a church, but, but then we isolate ourselves in such a way to keep us away from, from what exactly God has called us into. I just felt Jesus right there. Sometimes, sometimes we work so hard to keep ourselves away from the very place that God has called us to be. Lord, help us and strengthen us and use us, I pray. God, let no effort, God, no effort be too hard. God, let us not view it to, to reach those for you. But he uses this. He says, he begins to tell them a story as they all listen. He begins to tell them a story. He said, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. You have a hundred sheep and you lost one. I, I was looking at this and I thought, I have a hundred sheep. 100 sheep. First of all, I, I, I don't know anybody that has 100 sheep, I don't, so this may not connect with anybody. But if I had 100 sheep in my backyard, first of all, my grass would be just tortured and tore up back there. But if I had 100 sheep and lost one, I probably wouldn't care. I have 99. Why would I go after the one that's lost? I got 99 still. I'm still good. If I lost 25, I might go. If I lost 50, I'll go and try and find the 50. But one, I have 99. I was thinking, well, why in the world would, would you chase after 
one if you still have 99. Listen to me today. I prayed. I said, Lord, show me what you're trying to say there to us. The reason I wouldn't care about the one, and the reason that he's pointing them to care and sharing with them about this story, about the one, and how you would leave the 99 and go get the one and bring them back into the fold of the 99. I was thinking, why would I want to go out and put myself in danger of the 99 to go and find that one? And I just, I was thinking like this, and then the Lord revealed, he said, you wouldn't chase after it if it doesn't belong to you. If it belongs to you, it becomes important to you. If it belongs to you, then it becomes something of value to you, and therefore it doesn't matter if one's lost, if half of one's, whatever it may be, you chase after that because it belongs to you. I want to tell you this morning, I believe that every life has been inspired by God himself, that every life that's breathing, I believe that every lung that's been filled with the breath of life has been inspired of God. It belongs to him. It's been created to bring about his purpose and bring about his plan in this life. I believe that there's no life that's happenstance. There's no life that's an accident. There's no life that wasn't on purpose and designed by God. There's no life, no matter how difficult, not everything that comes in our life is designed by God, but that life itself was designed. Mom and dad may not have planned on you. I'm speaking to Kenley right now and just believe in God to help us. Mom and dad may not have planned on you, but I'm going to tell you today that Jesus Christ had a plan for you before you were a twinkle in your mother's eye. God had a plan for you. There was a plan and a purpose, and you say, well, that's all good and well, but I want to show that to you in Scripture, actually. That's not just me trying to, to get us going and to get us happy this morning. I believe that no life is an accident. Every life belongs to God because He created it. He designed it. It was His plan for life to come and to happen. It says this in Acts chapter 17, verse 24 and 20 through 26. It says, the God who made the whole world, and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and the earth. And he does not live in temples built by human hands. Thank God for that. Don't have to come here just to experience. I can experience his presence even though I believe there's a, a powerful anointing that comes over us. One, one that you can't replicate that comes when we come together in unity like we are this morning. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. But rather he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Listen, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Scripture tells us right there that it was God that chose when. Think about the history of mankind. God chose when and where you would be born. God is a God of detail. God is a God of care. He he picked out, he chose that you would be in this generation. He chose that you would be in this country. He chose that you would be wherever it was where, where you were, were born. God chose, he, he picked that time, he designed that time for you and designed you for that time. I just feel Jesus right there. There's a preparation that's happening in your life. You're, you're more prepared for life than you even know it. God picked this time for you to be born and you say, well, this is a difficult and a trying time that I'm living in right now. I want to tell you today, it's not too big that God... God can't move and God can't touch. He picked this time and he picked this place for you to be born. He, he runs after us, listen, because we are his. 
He designed and created us a, a life that may not have value to you. It has value to God. It has value to Him because He created these times. And He created man. He gave life and breath. That, that shepherd, he uses that, or that sheep, when he talks about that lost sheep, I, I believe that he used that because he wanted us to, to know the, the value of this. And I want to tell you somebody today that there is great value in you, that your life belongs to him. And you may be here this morning, and you may be wondering why I'm here. You may be questioning your existence. You may be wondering if, if this even matters, and if your life is worth living. I just want to tell you today that your life is worth living. It's worth living in Christ. It's worth living and walking in His peace, in His joy, in His holiness. That God does have a plan for you. And you weren't born by accident. God had a plan for you. And He loves you and He cares for you. Somebody give God praise this morning. God can, can bring that healing to our minds and that confusion. Gary talked about that and testified. He, he testified of that, that power uh, to heal and God to strengthen us. That you do have that value and God did bring about your life because we belong. Every life belongs to him. He's pointing his church towards that heart. The second thing it tells us, it shares a story of, of a lady that had ten coins. And of these ten coins, she lost a coin. The Bible tells us that she, she lit a lamp, she searched carefully, she swept diligently and searched carefully her house until she found that lost coin. I have probably hundreds of dollars in my couch at home right now. There's all kinds of change and I'm going to tell you I haven't looked for it one time. Because to me it has no value really think about it. I'm not pursuing the pennies and the, the dimes that are in there until vacation time. If I get one of those, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start pulling those out and doing all those things. My anniversary is coming up. There it is. The Lord's helping me right here. Thank you for that, God. Thank you for that. It's valuable to me now. See what I mean? It's valuable. Chasing after, pursuing. Well, listen, these ten coins, we look at this and we think it's funny because we think, oh, she's not searching really for much. She's just, okay, I get it. But, but listen, actually these ten coins, the one coin that she lost was actually very valuable. The word that they use here, when you look at I love how God's word always brings to light different things. But, but losing one coin of these ten coins means that she lost a full day's worth of wages. So she wasn't looking for a penny or looking for something that, that she was actually looking for something that had great value to her. She was looking for something that actually her life, her, her bills were going to be paid, her needs were going to be met. She did not want to lose out on that coin because that coin had great value. You will look for it if it has value to you. Somebody help me right there. You will spend the time to look for it if it has value to you. You'll tear up a garage like mine to find something that has value to you. You'll light a lamp and you'll sweep the house and you'll search carefully until you find it. I've gotten, I can't tell you how many calls. I've lost this or I've lost that. Can you help me pray? We, we do that. Things that are of value, we keep searching for. If you can't find your keys, I'll tell you what, you're under the couch. You're lifting the couch up. I've seen all kinds of calisthenics go on, all kinds of 
movement happen in living rooms to find the keys because we've lost the keys because they're a value. Without the key, I can't start the car unless you call somebody that knows how to get it going without the car. And, and so those keys are valuable, and because of that, we search for it until we find it. Somebody say amen right there. You don't search carefully for anything you don't care about. <laughs> I'm going somewhere. You say, what is he talking about? You don't search carefully for anything that's not important to you, that, that doesn't have worth. God's pointing us when he shares about this lady in this coin. He's, he's sharing that there's, there's a worthiness that this lady sees in this coin. And because of that, she is pursuing it and she's chasing after it. She's, he's relating this to, to those that are lost. He's relating to that which has been misplaced. He's relating to that so that we can find that understanding and we can chase after that. He's trying to get our heart to the place where what's important to him becomes important to us. He shares that through this message about the coin, the, the worth of that coin actually drew her to pursue it. You don't search for that. You, you don't go through the trouble of that unless it has value. I shared this story with my youth leaders on Friday night at a, a youth leaders meeting, and I used the wrong name, that country music. I've been trying to shake that bad habit. Y'all pray for me. I, I used the name John Anderson, and his name is actually Dennis Anderson. John Anderson is an old country music guy. And Sorry, pray for me. I know right there I just lost holiness in, in your eyes, I'm sure. It's a really bad habit. I'm trying to kick it really bad. Jesus, help me right there. There's a good prayer warrior just to help me. But, but, but it's not John Anderson. His name was Dennis Anderson. But Dennis Anderson was a friend of mine that I got to know in Oklahoma City. And my sister can, can tell you about him. We grew up. He went to our church in Oklahoma City. He was just a, an awesome man of God. But he didn't start out an awesome man of God. He told me one day when I sat down and, and had, I always knew him as this guy that smiles and was happy all the time, always had his Bible in his hand, was serving the Lord, willing to do just about anything for anybody at all times, worked in the church, and just, just an awesome man. And, and I had a moment to actually talk with him about his story and what had happened. And he said he grew up, and he said, I, I cannot emphasize to you how truthful it was that growing up, he said, I grew up rich. He said, I, I grew up wealthy and elite. And he said, I never gave a passing thought to God, church, Jesus, any of those things. He said, to be honest, he said, churches, I never even thought much about them. I thought they were just decorations in the city or something to help. with." I, he said, I had no idea. I, I didn't know anything about God. I didn't know anything about the Lord. And I never even thought about it. I never had a, uh, anybody have a conversation with me that he said, I just continued on my life. And he said, one night, he was driving when he was in college on his way to a tennis match of, of some kind, he told me. He said, I was on my way, and he was a, a student at the University of Oklahoma, and he was on his way, and he said, for some reason, oh, I'm thankful for some reason. For some reason, he said, I drove by this Pentecostal church. And he said, and I drove by there, and he said, I don't even know why. I've, I've never looked at that church. I've never, he said, I just turned in. He said, and I turned in, and I sat in the parking lot for a while, and he thought, what am I doing here? But he said, you know, I'm going to get out and go. He didn't know when church service started. He didn't know anything about a church service or any of that. He turned his car off, and he went in with his tennis shorts, you know, these old uh, tennis shorts that he was wearing. He went in to the church service, and he said there were some people in there, and he said they were praying. And he said when he came in, there were three ladies over there in the prayer meeting, and he said when he made eye contact with them and they saw him, they fell out of their chairs. Now, he said, I, I, I thought maybe I wasn't a good person. He said, I didn't realize I was that bad of a person. That when I walked in church, 
these ladies fell out. But he said they fell out and he walked over and, and, and he, they came up to him and ran up to him. And just with absolute excitement, they were almost just, they looked stunned that he was there. And he said, well, I, he said, I don't really know why, but he said, I, I came in tonight. I, I was on my way somewhere and he said, I just pulled in. I, I can't believe I'm, I'm seeing y'all and, and I, I know you guys. That's kind of crazy. And he, she said that, man, what, what a coincidence that you're here. And, and the girl says, it's no coincidence. She said, it's no coincidence that about a week ago, the Lord told us three to begin praying and fasting for your salvation. She said, we've been praying and fasting for the last three days for your salvation. And this was the end of the fast. Oh, help me just love on Jesus for a minute. This is the end of the fast. And we're actually praying to finish up the fast. And here you come walking in here with your tennis shorts on. The very person we're praying for and believing God to save and to change and to transform and to bring salvation into your life. And he said, I don't even know what hit me. He said, they started praying for me. And he said, I went down. He said, and when I got up two hours later, I know I was saved. I know I was sanctified. He said, I know I was filled with the Spirit of God. An interruption happened by God's grace and God's mercy. Things that are valuable to God need to be valuable to us. The Lord prompted these ladies and they thought that his life was of value because the Lord thought his soul was of value. And today, he, about two years ago, sadly, he went on to be with the Lord after a, a fight in a battle with cancer. And, and we prayed and it was a tragic event that happened, but he was ready to go and great things. God used that and I know he's ultimately healed and in heaven. And I could see his smile right now, uh, smiling down, even down on us on this, this story. But his boy today, one of his, his oldest son, Trent, is leading a real estate company that is one of the most successful in the, the city that we live in and, and all he ever does when he gets on TV and shows that he talks about Jesus his boy, this, this uh, father that never knew anything about the Lord had been changed and his other boy is a, a coach and he's a teacher and he's promoting and telling young people about Jesus and his daughter is in Bible school today I just wonder if we can't give God praise for his grace and his mercy You don't go to that much trouble unless it has value to you. I tell our teenagers this a long time. I say, what, what if? What if you went out and ran a mile, and every mile you ran, it was going to be, it was going to uh, mean that somebody was going to get saved? And I, I know that that's not the case. So don't take off running right now, especially not till I'm done. <laughs> and we would laugh, and they laugh about it, and they'd say, but I said, but but what if? Would you do it? What if? What if, if I was to, to fast, what if I was to do these things and it mattered? What if I was to give? What if I was to pursue? What if I was to, to lay my life down and, and, and ultimately, Jesus, I just felt the Lord right there. What if I was to do that and it meant people would, would be saved? Would I do it? Would I do it? What's valuable to us and to you, you pursue. Listen, the, the Bible tells us the final thing, and I'm finishing up. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 15, it tells us that the next story is about the prodigal son. The prodigal son, as he came, as he came to his father, he was, uh, he was somebody that, that didn't want to be under the care of his father anymore. He actually asked his father, he went to his father and he said, he said, Father, he said, give me my estate. I want my estate, my inheritance. The Bible says that the, the story that Jesus gives us is he took that inheritance and he left. 
And he went, according to scripture, hear me, he went as far away from his father's house as he could possibly go. He ran away from it. He took all that he had and the Bible tells us that he wasted all of his money on worldly living. Now there's lots of teaching and lots of in-depth studies about the living that he was in. But let me tell you something, the living that he was in was dark. The living that he was in was nasty. It was, it, was, it was just dark things. The brother even brought some revelation to that later on at the end of this story of the prodigal son. But he went into a far off land, a different land, a different country, scripture says, than where his father lived. And he, he lived his life and, and all that he had he lost by how he was living. He was down and out. Somebody that looked like to the world, he had a lot. All of it was gone. There was nothing left. What, what seemed to bring satisfaction ultimately had left him empty. And his life and his inheritance lay destroyed because of his choices. Because of his calling, his destiny, it lay dormant in his life. And unless something happened in his life, it, it was not going to be resurrected. Unless something happened in his life, it, it lay dead. Or at least it looked like it was laying dead. He lost everything. And he laid in that place, the Bible says. He came to that place, but the scripture tells us, but something happened. Say something happened. But in the land where he was, in the land where he was, it didn't say in the land his father was, it said in the land where he was. You can never run so far, you can never get so far away that God's love can't reach you, that God's love can't extend its hand towards you and pull you back in. And I just want to say this to a parent and to a grandparent, the seed that you planted in your young person, it is not going to come back void, it's going to be watered, it's going to come to fruition. I want to tell you that thing that's down deep in them that says I've been born and made for greater things than where I'm at it is going to come to fruit in the name of Jesus but it says in the land where he was a severe famine struck where he was a severe famine came over the land where he was oh I'm so thankful for that I'm so thankful that he went to the lowest of lows because when he's at the lowest of his low there's only one place to look and that was up I'm thankful for the Lord's promise I'm thankful that it doesn't always look pretty but God knows how to deal with this people I'm thankful that it doesn't always look like, like the, what people would see on a, a television show, but, but, it, but it comes to fruition. God does the work of a famine broke out and hard times came in the land where he was. This famine came to this fact that in a distant country he was still being pushed as far away from his father as he could, but it wasn't far enough. That famine, it drove him, like we said, to that lowest point, and it was at that lowest point, Jesus. I'm thankful for that lowest point. Anybody else thankful for that lowest point? It's at his lowest point that he came to himself and he said, what am I doing? I just had that happen. There's some people in here today. What am I doing? I'm living beneath my calling. I'm living beneath my purpose. I'm living beneath the plans and purposes of God. I'm out there pursuing things that have nothing to do with God. And they're only going to leave me destroyed. They're only going to leave me wrecked. They're already having and taking a toll on my life. And if I don't get things together, I'm going to miss out on God's glory. I'm going to miss out on God's purpose. But I'm going to tell you today, we come to that place where we come to ourselves. And we realize that there's a Father that loves us. We realize that there's a 
father that cares for us. We realize that there's a father that's watching the hills and he's watching to see if you're going to return. He's watching and, and drawing you back with his love. He's caring over you and watching over you and here he is. I see the father's love and I see the father's care and I'm living beneath that. I want to tell you today, today's a great day. The scripture says today is the day of salvation. Don't wait another day. Don't put it off another day. Today you walk out of this place. You walk out of this place changed. You walk out of this place saved. You walk out of this place transformed by the power and the grace of Almighty God. You wheeled into this service today. Some of you came with your parents. Some of you just showed up today. Some of you may have just spilled into this place and God knew where you'd be and he wants to remind you that it's his love. It's his purpose. It's his plan. It's his goodness. It's his strength that you need. He looked up and he recognized and realized it was the care of Jesus. Or the care of the Father that he needed. Jesus telling us this story, bringing it about. So he got up, the Bible says, and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. Threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Listen to me. The, the smell of the world where he had been was still on him. The smell. The scripture says he just got up and ran. I wonder, I, wonder, I remember that night. I'm going to stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I remember that night. I didn't try and clean it up. I just ran to him. I didn't try to get myself together. Well, if I can just get this and that, then I can start living for God. No, no, no. Today is that day. Get up and run. Get up and run. Get up and run. Get up and run to his love, his, his, his embrace today. Don't wait for this or that to happen so you can get there. Forget all of those idols. Forsake all of those idols and run to the one true God. He came, and while he was still far off, the, the father ran looking for him and wrapped his arms around him. Exchange my heart, oh God. Make me like that father. Make me like that father. The, Lord, the father said, get him some clothes. Put a ring on his finger. Stand to your feet with me this morning. I love what the father did. He changed. He hugged him. The smell of the world, the stench of the world was on him. He embraced him. He welcomed him. And then the father did the work. The father did the work. He said, oh, make him new, Lord. Make him new. Give him some new clothes. Change his status. His position. There's a man I've read about today. Amen. Praise God. There's a man I read about that I, I remembered in this, this story. This story had been in my heart and my mind over the last few weeks. And I, I just came pressing and heavy. And I really felt like I should share it. There's a man that you may connect with his name. His name is David Berkowitz. David Berkowitz is the son of Sam Killer. He's the 44 caliber killer in 19, the summer of 1976 and the year of 1977, over a 13 month span in New York City, he wreaked havoc and terror. And this wreaking havoc and terror, he killed six women and he shot seven others. He was in the depths of the deepest of darkness. And the Bible, or, or the story tells us, you can read his, his testimony on ariseandshine.org. And hear his whole testimony of his whole life. And in 1966, he fought. He tried to appeal the fact that he was convicted. He tried to say that he was mentally unstable to, to go through a trial. He tried to do all of these things. And he was trying to get out of prison. But he had murdered six people. And their families left in this terrible wake of what he'd done. And he tried to murder seven others. He, he was for sure guilty. He was for sure had the smell of sin and evil on his life. 
or the, the story tells us that in about 1989, after being in, the, in prison for about 12 years, he said something had begun to change in his life. And he read this scripture. Read this scripture, Psalm 34 and 6. I'm going to read it from my Bible. Read this scripture on a night in a prison cell somewhere. In a pig pen somewhere. He read this, Psalm 34, 6. He said, this poor man called and the Lord heard him. And he saved him out of all of his troubles. And I'm going to let him speak for himself. This is his quote. He said, I told him when I read that scripture. He, he said, I got on my knees and I told the Lord I was sick and tired of doing evil. I was sick of the pig pen that I was in. I didn't want to be there anymore. And he said, I asked Jesus. And listen, he didn't just say, hey, take my circumstances away. He said, take care of the thing that put me in the pit. That's really good right there. The, the very thing that took me to that place. Take care of that in my life. Don't just change my circumstances, but change me. And ultimately, through that change, a change in my circumstances. He said, I told him I was sick and tired of doing evil. And I asked Jesus to forgive me of all of my sins. He said, I spent a good while on my knees praying to him. He said, when I got up, it, it felt as if a very heavy but invisible chain that had been around me for so many years was broken. Do you hear that? Do you hear the, the sounds of chains that are breaking? Do you hear the, the sounds of, of those fetters, those things that keep us bound up, breaking? A, a peace flooded over me. He said, I, I did not understand what was happening, but in my heart, I just knew that my life somehow was going to be Different. He canceled all of his appeals. He canceled all of the, 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 the parole hearings. He didn't even show up to a lot of them for, for many years. And he said, I deserve to be in here. And he said, this is the place that I'm called. And I want to spread the light and love of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, there's no darkness. There's, there's no dirty dirt to a place that's too dirty that the Lord won't reach down and save us. Somebody say amen to that. A murderer, somebody that we would walk on the other side of the street, Jesus ran to. I just can't get over that. Jesus came in a, in a cell like that and he just saved his heart and saved his soul and transformed his life and made him new. I, I don't know about you, but I want to have the heart that goes after the lost sons and the lost daughters. I want to go after all of those prodigals that are rolling around in the pig pen today and I want to point them to the one. I want to point them to the Savior. I want to tell them that you can be forgiven, that you can be set free. Like Pastor Rich said, you can have liberty and that liberty is in Jesus Christ. Everyone bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. We pursue what's valuable to us. What's valuable to us. Right now we need to make an assessment of our life. What means something to me? What am I chasing after? Am I chasing after most importantly my own personal comfort? My own personal success? Or am I chasing after that which is important to God? I'm passing every day those that are lost. I'm passing every day those. I want what's important to God to be important to me. I was praying this morning, yesterday, and I believe what God had been showing the pastor. He was pouring into my heart and my life. I heard a church wailing for the lost. I heard a church crying out for the lost. I heard a church welcoming the lost and saw that. I, I saw a church that was opening their arms to, to all kinds of, of, of people and, and, and lives and, and, and callings and purposes in life. They were opening their arms. They were believing God. They were trusting God. They were crying out to God for the lost. They were being changed, this church was. They were being changed to welcome and love even those that were different from them. 
even those that were different from them. I want to tell you I'm prompted. This is the second time right now. I want to prompt somebody today to make their relationship sure with Jesus. To make their calling and election sure. To make that sure today with the Lord, every head bowed and every eyes closed right now. I want the whole church to pray. I want the whole church to examine their whole heart, everybody that's here today. I want to tell you today and even prophesy life into you because that's the words of Jesus, the way and the truth and the life. He wants to turn things around, but let it begin in you. Cannot begin unless it begins in you. All of us that are under the sound of of my voice even, let us call upon the Lord to forgive us of our sins and to transform our lives. And He is faithful and He's just. He'll forgive us and He'll come. He'll wash off all that's dirty in our lives. Make us new in the name of Jesus. Church, pray with me together. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Make me new. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a follower. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Come, Lord, exchange my heart for yours. I believe, I believe, I believe that you're the Son of God. You rose on the third day. And today, commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would we put our hands together right now? All people everywhere.